Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com as well as rate, review of iTunes. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والضحى والليل إذا سجى ما ودعك ربك وما قلى وللآخرة خير لك من الأولى ولسوف يعطيك ربك فترضى ألم يجدك يتيما فآوى وَوَجَدَكَ ضَالًّا فَهَدَى وَوَجَدَكَ عَائِلًا فَأَغْنَى فَأَمَّا الْيَتِيمَ فَلَا تَقْهَرْ وَأَمَّا السَّائِلَ فَلَا تَنْهَرْ وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّ رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقدة من لساني يفقهوا قولي السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Dear brothers and sisters Inshallah tonight I will continue our tafsir sessions and uh, last time I was doing the tafsir in fact last week I did surat al-anfal because of the occasion of the battle of Badr and that was out of the sequence so tonight I will go back to the sequence and I was doing Surat Al-Duha in the order of revelation. I remember we, uh, we are doing the tafsir of the surahs in the Quran based on the order of revelation. We started with Surat Al-Alaq and then we went to Surat Al-Muddathir, Surat Al-Qalam, Surat Al-Muzammil, Surat Al-Fatiha, Surat Al-Masad, then Surat Al-A'la, Surat Al-Layl, Surat Al-Takweer, Surat Al-Fajr. And now we are doing Surat Al-Duha. And I already started Surat Al-Duha, where Allah Azza wa Jal says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim wa-Duha, wal-layli idha saja ma wadda'aka rabbuka wa ma qala, wal-al-akhiratu khayrun laka min al-ula, wal-sawfa yu'tika rabbuka fatarda, alam yajidka yatiman fa'awa, wa-wajadaka dalan fahada, wa-wajadaka a'ilan fa'agna. فأما اليتيم فلا تقهر وأما السائل فلا تنهر وأما بنعمة ربك فحدث And I made the first uh, ayat, the first actually eight ayat of the surah and the last three ayat were left and I will continue that tonight inshallah Just a reminder that surah al-duha was revealed immediately after Surat Al-Fajr. Actually, it's not immediately after Surat Al-Fajr. 
there was a gap. There was a time when the wahi stopped being revealed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So there was a time from Surah Al-Fajr and before the Prophet, peace be upon him, used to receive Al-Wahi almost on a daily basis. After Surah Al-Fajr, for some time, the Wahi did not come. And the Prophet ﷺ was tired, was exhausted, he was sad. And the people of Mecca and Quraysh, the Kuffar, the Mushrikeen, took advantage of that. And they started making all types of, uh, uh, all types of accusations, insults, uh, rumors, if you will, propaganda that here Muhammad, peace be upon him, now he is no longer receiving that thing from the heavens, uh, that he was lying right from the very beginning, that he never received anything from Allah, and the proof is that, look, now he has nothing new. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was saddened by that. So after that gap, Allah Azza wa Jal revealed this Surah Al-Duha, where he started saying, I swear by Al-Duha, which is the high rise of the morning, and by the night, when the night becomes calm, that Allah Azza wa Jal never let you down. He never let you away. He never departed you. He never said goodbye to you. And he never hates you. مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى وَلَلْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنَ الْأُولَى And indeed, what is coming after this gap of wahi, if you will, will be definitely much better. وَلَلْآخِرَةُ Which means the second part of this da'wah of this prophethood will be definitely much better than the first one. And Allah Azza wa Jal will give you such that you will be pleased. And we talked about this at length that Allah Azza wa Jal is the one who is promising. It's a Rabb, it's the God, it's the Lord. He's saying, I will give you such that you will be pleased, such that you will be satisfied. And I made this comparison where in the past, like a Prophet Musa alayhi salam, he used to, when Allah Azza wa Jal would ask him a question, he would say, I, would, I have done such and such so that you will be pleased with me. And here Allah Azza wa Jal is making this issue that he wants, he's promising Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he will be, that Allah will please him. وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى And then he enumerates. What the things, the bounties that he had given Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that he was an orphan and Allah provided him with a safe haven. He gave him the shelter. Uh, he was looking for the good path for as-sirat al-mustaqim and Allah guided him. He gave him the guidance and he was absolutely uh, helpless. Uh, he was poor uh, and Allah azza wa jal provided him with all the support he needs. That's the ayat that we talked about and those tafsir of these ayat are already up on the on the net for those who missed that they are uh, they have been recorded and tonight i will do the last three ayat where it says when it comes to an orphan do not practice oppression and hardship against an orphan the one who has a request the one who is coming to request never turn him down. And I will explain request for what? Is it for money? Is it for wealth? Is it for knowledge? What is that request for? Whenever Allah gives a bounty upon you, He gives you a bounty, gives you some precious things, He gives His, uh, uh, he, in, uh, he bestows upon you some favor, you have to speak up. You have to make it, to declare it. 
you have to tell, let the people know that Allah has given you something good. And I will explain what does that mean. Now, going to the very first order, When it comes to an orphan, make sure that you are absolutely kind and nice for. Remember that this surah Duha came after surah Al-Fajr, although there was a gap, but surah Al-Fajr, which we talked about, one of the basic and major criticism to the society of Mecca, besides a shirk, besides being kuffar, besides denying Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam the prophethood, besides being absolutely anti-God, if you will, Allah Azza wa Jal gave some basic criticism and characteristic of the oppression, of the oppressive nature of Mecca. And that characteristic came as the way they deal with orphans. It was a characteristic of the society of Mecca and of the Jahiliyyah in general. Ignorance, whether it's the ignorance of Mecca then or the ignorance of our societies today. Someone who is left behind, someone like an orphan who does not have the parental the, the support of a parent, usually he is left behind. He does not have a support. And in Mecca, it was customary that someone who is an orphan, someone who is an orphan would not receive any good treatment. He will be left out. So Allah Azza wa Jal now, in the direction to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, giving him how to behave in the society, says, When it comes to an orphan, make sure that you are absolutely kind, kind with. Be nice to the orphan and do not oppress the orphan and do not give hardship to, to the orphan. In other, in other words, you must honor the person who is born without parents or who has lost his parents. And today, if you look, if we look at current situation today, even in war situation, like in Afghanistan, in Pakistan, in Syria today, especially Syria, the most hardship, the hardship does not fall upon the one who gives his life up to Allah Azza wa Jal. You go to the war, you fight, uh, you get killed, you are shaheed, martyr in, in the eyes of Allah Azza wa Jal. May Allah Azza wa Jal accept the martyrs and you are okay. It's not a big deal. The people you leave behind, if you leave behind a man, an older, an, an adult, let's say a person who is more than 20 or 25 years old, he can take care of himself. The main serious problem is upon those children that are born after their father dies or leaves this world. So that is the, 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 the real hardship does not come upon those who, are, who actually give up their lives or the ones who are still adults who still can make life. It falls upon the children who are left as orphans. So an orphan, the orphanage is a real problem because the basic needs, the need for food, the need for shelter, the need for love, the need for mercy is absent. There is a kid who, can, who will be raised without that type of passion of a father or a mother. That's an orphan. And Allah Azza wa Jal, he recognizes for us, he lets us, know, he lets us know that this particular category of people needs the utmost attention. And when the society, like the society of Mecca, like the Quraysh, or like the society today, the oppressive society in Syria, the ones who are killing people and leaving children behind, 
Those are the ones that you have to actually treat and to make sure that you do not create a new society where orphans either are created by the hundreds or once they are created, you don't take care of them. So Allah Azza wa Jal, in a general manner here, he is not giving specific direction, but he's saying, when it comes to an orphan, make sure you do not practice oppression against the orphan. The orphan should be honored. Now, this is a value. To Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Muhammad himself was an orphan. Allah Azza wa Jal just said, Alam yatiman But Allah Azza wa Jal is the one who took care of Muhammad as an orphan. He provided for him. He provided for him the mercy and the passion of his grandfather Abdul Muttalib. He instilled the, the, the mercy and the passion in the in the heart of his of his uncle Abu Talib. And then Allah Azza wa Jal is the one who provided all of this catering, if you will, for Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, no matter how, it doesn't matter what the details are, but it is Allah Azza wa Jal who took care of the orphanage of Muhammad and he reminded him with that, Alam yatiman fa'awa. Didn't I find you an orphan and I protected you, I supported you, I gave you a safe haven and you grew up as a mature man who did not feel the orphanage. Now, in return, in return, you should not practice any, or you as Muhammad, of course, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now, as Islam, as Sahaba, as people who follow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, have the same direction. Any time an orphan is in place, any time orphanage becomes a problem in the society, somebody has to take care of that. It cannot be allowed to prevail. You cannot allow a category or an army of orphans to grow up without support. You send them to houses where people just in, in uh, organizations will deal with them without that passion or mercy or, or feeling, let's say, of parenthood that is given to the orphan. Now, as I mentioned, at that time when this ayah was revealed, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was still weak in Mecca. He does not have that power or that leverage of providing the utmost support to orphans. He is uh, deprived, he is uh, still weak. Uh, the people of Mecca, Quraysh, are still chasing him and oppressing him. But as a value, as a value, still can be propagated. And in the same manner, that value of anti-orphans was propagated, the, the society of Mecca was not order, uh, honoring the orphan, here Allah Azza wa is telling Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you have to carry this characteristic, you have to carry this attribute, you have to carry this passion for orphans. And we know the numerous hadiths of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In fact, there is a man came to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is now jumping ahead to Medina. When Islam was strong and Islam has become powerful and Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was in charge of a society. A man comes to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, says, Ya Rasulullah, inni la'ajidu fi qalbi qaswa. I find in my heart some hardness. My heart is hard. It does not, uh, uh, it does not reckon with, with mercy or, or with softness. I feel some hard, hard, hardness in my heart. What do I do? And here is what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam tells him. In order for your heart to be soft, imsah ala ra'si yatimin biyadayk. When you see an orphan, just massage his head with your own hand. Just touching the head or the hair 
or an orphan that is enough to install in your heart softness and mercy. In another occasion, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam says, "If you pass your hand, just passing your hand on the head of an orphan, في كل شعرة تمسها يديك حسنة. Each piece of hair that you touch with your hand, there is a hasana. Each piece of hair you touch, just the fact that you make that orphan feel he is, he belongs." He has someone who takes care of him. He's someone who is looking after him. He's so, there is someone who is catering for him. The fact that his father is absent, there are... Now, of course, when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying this among the group of Sahaba, each and every Sahabi, each and every Muslim, when he passes by an orphan, will, will embrace him, will hug him, will give him that touch on his head. He will feel belonging. He will feel that he belongs. He feels that he is wanted. He feels that he is not abandoned. He feels that he is part of the society. And of course, it goes more than that. It is not only that feeling of love, but it's the catering. Uh, the, the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu says, anyone, anyone who caters for an orphan, he supports him with shelter. We, anyone who gives the shelter for, for an orphan, you provide him, him, him with the ma'una. Ma'una means his food, his clothing, whatever he needs to grow up as a child if, if you do that if you do that kafala that guarantee that warranty if you will for the orphan kana lahu hijaban min nar he will be a protection for you from hellfire will be a protection if you take care of an orphan now you could take care of so many people allah azza wa jalla will reward you there is there is for sure there are, there is reward but an orphan if you sponsor an orphan, you sponsor an orphan who is, as I said, born either without a parent or his parent gets killed in the war like in Syria. And you say, I want to sponsor that orphan and I want to take care of him. Allah, the Prophet says, كَانَ لَهُ حِجَابًا مِنَ النَّارِ He will be a protection for you. It will be like a curtain between you and her. It will be a protection. It will be a shield. You will not come close to hellfire. And that yatim, that orphan, will be a shield between you and hellfire. And in the same hadith, the Prophet ﷺ says, وَبِكُلِّ مَسْحَةِ يَدٍ عَلَىٰ رَأْسِهِ حَسَنَةٌ فِي كُلِّ شَعْرَةِ Each piece of hair that you pass across his head, there will be, uh, uh, there will be a hasana for you. So the idea here, Allah Azza wa Jal, He wants us to recognize that there is no category in the society should be left without support. No category, absolutely. And remember in the previous surah, in surah At-Takwir, when Allah Azza wa Jal talked about the, the uh, uh, burying the children. Alive, shall we stop? Yeah, okay, let me uh, stop for a few minutes. Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulil Kareem. I will resume, inshallah, the uh, discussion of the, uh, and the tafsir for Surah Al-Duha. And uh, before we moved uh, downstairs, we're talking about this issue of the category of people in the society, <coughs> which is the, the category of the orphans. 
And uh, as I mentioned, this category is usually in any society that's the absolutely weakest category, especially when the number of orphans becomes very large. And imagine in societies where uh, societies who are devastated by wars or revolutions like the one in Syria today, on a daily basis, a daily basis, more than 100 persons gets killed. And remember, many of these people, they, they leave children behind. And so those children who are left behind, they are orphans. So this problem is a serious problem, especially in societies which are devastated by catastrophes and by wars. And the orphan who is left, especially without father, remember that an orphan is a person who is left without either a father or a mother. And that person is uh, a young uh, person, a kid, who is without the ability to support himself. So if the person is beyond a certain age and he can support himself, you can, he's still an orphan, but that is not the category that the hadith and the ayah is talking about. So Allah Azza wa Jal is directing Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in this ayah And the word taqhar, al-qahar Al-qahar is oppressive, oppressive hardship Oppressive hardship practiced against person Because the person Sometimes you may practice a hardship against someone who is capable That's not called qahar It's an equal type of, of battle you can take, take advantage of someone, but if that person can fight back or can respond, that's not qahar. Al-qahar is when the person who is taken advantage of is too weak to respond. That's qahar. That's why we say the nations who are under the occupation, under the rules of tyrants, like in, uh, uh, currently in Egypt, uh, in Syria, uh, as they were in Libya before during the Qaddafi, there is Qahar. Qahar means there is an obsessive oppression practiced upon people where people have no ability to respond back. That's Qahar. So you are really putting all types of things against me and I cannot respond. You take my rights, you abuse me, you take away my, uh, my food, you evict me from my home, you destroy my shelters, my home, and I cannot respond. That's called Qahar. So the, the, the yatim, the orphan, is a person where qahar can be practiced against him because he doesn't have a support, because he doesn't have the backup. No parent, no father, no mother, no people who can support him. So Allah Azza wa Jal does not want to leave any category without protection. And as I was mentioning just before we moved down here, the, uh, the ayah in the Quran that talked about burying the young or the, the, the uh, girl babies alive. That's again, it's another category in a society that quite often does not have support, which is the category of women or especially women at the time of birth. That uh, the, the parents do not want the, the, the child. The society does not care about a girl who is born and therefore they allow the people to practice oppression about it. And that's why Allah Azza wa Jal, he picked this issue in Surah At-Takwir, the first issue, as I mentioned in previous uh, uh, sessions, that where Allah Azza wa Jal picked this issue to tackle in the society of Mecca as being an, an, a, a, a symbol of oppression. That was, again, a category of humans, of people 
who are absolutely deprived, absolutely oppressed, and Allah Azza wa Jal takes that issue and puts it in the Quran and wants the Muslims and Islam to take the plight of that issue. Similarly, orphans as category, Allah Azza wa Jal wants Islam and the Muslims to make sure that orphanage does not lead to oppression. Orphanage does not lead to deprivation. That orphanage does not leave, lead to dissatisfaction. Orphanage must be treated with absolute and highest level of honor, of honor such that an orphan born baby or boy or girl does not feel that deprivation as it used to be in the society of Mecca or as it's the case in the current societies today where people who are left without parents, mostly they call them out of woodluck and they uh, get raised on the streets, they get raised on all types of uh, uh, environments and eventually statistics today in modern societies, societies of democracy and capitalism, statistics show that the largest percentage of crime, organized crime, comes out of people who have been orphans. Orphans, people or kids who are born without parents or whose parents abandoned them for one reason or another, they are the ones who are the highest uh, percentage of, uh, of recruiting for organized crime is among those people who are raised as orphans. So Allah Azza wa does not want this category of people, this category of people to become a burden on the society, be it at the time when they are orphans or at the time when they grow up and they become criminals. They have to be part of the, of the society in the most honorable manner. And that's the direction Allah Azza wa Jal gives to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam right at the very beginning of da'wah, فَأَمَّا الْيَتِيمَ فَلَا تَقْهَرْ And just before I leave this topic altogether about the orphan, remember that today, again, I keep reminding in Syria, in Pakistan, in Afghanistan, in Iraq, uh, uh, in Egypt, there are thousands or hundreds of thousands of orphans. And the fact that the, the uh, uh, Muslims today, the Muslim Ummah, is not living up to the standards of Islam, the fact that the Muslim Ummah is not living up to the standards of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we see that these orphans fall under all types of oppressive regimes, oppressive environment. Uh, uh, they, they get raised in environments which are absolutely unhonored or cannot be called an honorable situation as Islam wants it. So that's part of the, part of the general guilt that the Ummah of Muslim is feeling or is going through because we have this category that Allah Azza wa Jal wants to take care of. This category continues to be deprived these days and there are thousands of people, hundreds of thousands who are falling in this category. May Allah Azza wa Jal enable this ummah to live up to its responsibility and to take the lead as the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said and mentioned time and time again that he wants the Muslim Ummah to be a caretaker of the weakest category in that society, which is the category of orphans. The second directive that Allah Azza wa Jal sends in this surah, in, in, uh, in Surah Al-Duha to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, says, وَأَمَّا السَّائِلَ فَلَا تَنْهَرُ وَأَمَّا السَّائِلَ فَلَا تَنْهَرُ A sail is the one who comes and begs. He begs you for something. السائل 
actually the word sa'il means the one who is asking, is, he has a request in general. Allah Azza wa Jal does not give uh, the, the notion, uh, you, uh, the notion of humiliation for the one who is asking. He's not using the word bigger or the word uh, someone who's uh, on the street looking for food or, or money. He's saying as-sa'il. As-sa'il is the one who's asking for something. In fact, this word as-sa'il, which is a very honorable word, although the act itself, someone is looking for food, for help, for support, it is, uh, it is a status of weakness. However, Allah Azza wa Jal gives this, this name as-sa'il. Sa'il, he's asking for, he's requesting. In, uh, uh, in the ayat about al-zakah, Allah Azza wa Jal made a category as-sa'ilin. As-sa'il, those who are asking or requesting you should help them, you should support them. In Surah Al-Baqarah, uh, when Allah Azza wa Jal talks about the, there is an ayah about Al-Birr, لَيْسَ الْبِرَّ أَن تُوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ قِبَلَ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ About the birr, what is birr, what is something good, what's ihsan, what is the, the good character of a Muslim? And in that, Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَآتَ الْمَالَ عَلَى حُبِّهِ ذَوِ الْقُرْبَى وَالْيَتَامَى ذَوِ الْقُرْبَى وَالْيَتَامَى والسائلين وَالْمَسَاكِينَ وَالسَّائِلِينَ السائل, السائلين, the one who, ask, who are asking. So here in this ayah, in this surah, Al-Duha, Allah says, وَأَمَّا السَّائِلِ The one who makes a request, do not reject him, do not resent, do not turn him away. The one who is asking me, if someone who is asking for something, don't turn that person away. And the hadiths of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there are numerous hadiths. That says that the least, the least you can do is to let the person who is asking know that you cannot help him in a nice manner. But you don't turn him away harshly. You don't frown uh, with your eyes. You don't make a face against someone who is making a request. Someone needs, and here is the assumption, is the one who is making the request, whether it's for money or support or help or knowledge, and, and I want to extend this request, As-Sail, in fact, one of the uh, companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the tafsir, he says, As-Sail, the one who is asking, actually they are asking for knowledge. If someone is asking for knowledge, you don't turn him away. You don't say, come back tomorrow. You don't say, I, uh, oh, I don't know, don't ask me. If you don't know, you make sure that you let the person know that you, are, you don't have the answer because you lack the knowledge, not because you don't want to tell him. And if you don't want to help, or you cannot help, you have to let the person know that actually you cannot help because you don't have the ability. It's not because you think of the person a low person, or you are against that, or you have any, any type of hatred to what he is saying. In fact, there is a hadith which is very interesting. Uh, and that's very common to us. Sometimes you, someone is asking you for help, you say, oh, this person actually is wealthy. He has some, he has some money. Why, should he, why is he asking? I'm not going to give him. And then you tell the people around you, oh, don't give that person. That person has a job. He has money. Very interesting hadith. The Prophet says, if someone comes to ask you to make a request, and you see, he has in his hands, you see, or in his, in his uh, uh, 
uh, position, there is two ounces of gold. Qulla is like an ounce of gold. You know that he has that. You don't turn him away. You don't turn him away harshly. You don't make something against him. You have, if you don't want to give him, you can say that in a very nice, very kind manner. So you don't humiliate that person. And there is another hadith. Actually, it's, uh, it's, not, it's a narration by Ibn, by, uh, Ibn Mas'ud. Ibn Mas'ud says, الْأَذِلَّاءُ أَرْبَعَةُ The ones who are absolutely humble or with humility, who live with humility, there are four categories. Two of the categories are bad categories. They are bad characters. الْكَذَّابُ وَالنَّمَّامُ The one who lies a lot and النمام, the one who makes uh, all types of fitna and the problems among people. He keeps moving among the people and talking bad uh, about one uh, about one person in front of the other. Namima. There is a Namima. I come to someone and says, Oh, you know what? That brother is such and such. He, he hates you. Then I go to the other brother and say, You know, the first brother, he actually dislikes you and he talks bad about you. It's called Namima. The, the Ibn Mas'ud says, This is a... He, a person who lives with humility, he's humiliated, he's bad. Al-Kadhab, the one who lies, and the Namima, and the other two, the other two categories who have this type of humility, not because of their character, but because of their status. Al-Madyun, Al-Madyun, the one who is in debt, the one who is in debt, wa al Now, the one who is in debt, because the one who is indebted, Usually he comes to request, he wants a loan. He needs money, either a loan or, or needs a help. So that person, his status is a status of, of humility and the Muslim should not increase that humility. I should not, if someone comes to ask, I should not make a request from me, I should not turn him away in a manner that I make him feel that humility. That's the idea. وَأَمَّا السَّائِلَ فَلَا تَنْهَرْ and this is to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now note, again, until now, all of these are values that Allah azza wa jal is giving Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam values that he should propagate in the society within his companions to carry these values and against the values of the society. Until now, these values in Mecca are not laws. They are not regulations. They are not part of a system. See, those are values, these are principles that I carry, that I have to have this type of feeling and understanding that someone who is requesting help should be honored. I should honor the request of a person. But that's not the way to solve his problem. The way to solve the problem of the person who is in debt, or who is in need, or who is actually deprived, there is a system of zakah, there is a system of sadaqah, there is an economic system that will take care of him. There is a system of nafaqa as well. But in Mecca, at the time when the ayah was revealed, we still don't have the rules of nafaqa. Because the person who is making a request, this today in all, when the Islamic society is built and the Islamic state is intact, and the Medina was built, and today when the Islamic system and the Islamic state will re be rebuilt again, if someone is making a request, he needs money. The first thing that you have to make sure, besides not turning the person away, because part of taking care, because don't turn him away, that means take care of his problem. How do I take care of the problem 
of the one who is making a request for, for money. Well, number one, I have to know, does he have support of nafaqa? Nafaqa means alumni, someone is in charge of him. Does he have a father, a brother, uh, someone who is in charge of him? If she's a woman, does she have a husband or uh, a parent? Or if he's an older man, if there is a son that's supposed to take care of him, I have to make sure that someone who is in charge of him. Now, I have to make sure that Baytul Mal has enough zakah and sadaqah to provide for him. All of this is part of taking care of him. It's not only someone comes and says, okay, take this $10 and leave. If I know someone is in need, I will immediately grab him from the hand and say, okay, there is a system. But before the system is installed, before there is a system, it's a value. It's a value that I do not turn away the person who is in need. I have to make sure that I can cater for that person. Now, in a non-Islamic society, where there is no judicial system, there is no judge to go to and say, look, judge, this person is in need, make sure that Baytul Mal can provide for him, or his person who is in charge of him can support for him. Today, there is not such a system. So I have to make sure that I cater to the request of person in the best manner I can. Whether I can do it myself, or I know a brother can help, or I know there is an organization or someone who has enough wealth or enough money who can do that catering for him. So it is a value, it's a value within me that Allah Azza wa wants me to carry this value until that system is created. Once the system is created, then there is a system to cater for this, uh, uh, this person. So the idea here, Allah Azza wa is building values within the hearts and the minds of the Muslims who are building a society. When they build a society, now we have the values. The value that no one who is in need should be turned away. Whether, like in the previous ayah, he's an orphan, he has to be catered for, or he is in need, he is in debt, he lost his job, he lost his money, he lost his trade, uh, he lost his land, uh, his land did not grow enough. This year there is a drought, there are all types of problems. So you know that someone is coming to make a request for wealth or for support, somebody has to cater for him. Now, on the other side, the ayah also indicates that the society of Mecca, the, the, the Jahiliya society, or the society of Quraysh, was a society that is so oppressive that people who make requests, who are in debt, actually if someone gets in debt, he becomes a slave. That's how it was in Mecca. If you are in debt, you lose your money, you lose your commerce, your merchandise, then the first thing they say, if, if you are indebted to someone who is superior or big, he will enslave you, enslave your wife, enslave your children, he will take some flesh, some, some meat, some actually humanity out of you in return for that uh, loss if you have. So the Quran is installing this value in the hearts and the minds of the Muslims to say and to criticize that society of Mecca and Quraysh and ignorance and Jahiliyyah in the same manner that the current societies today, if someone is in problem, like when you have major unemployment and layoffs, you will find that people will lose their homes, they will lose their family, their children will, will go all different directions, he will lose his wife. It's, it's a very sick society, just like the society of Quraysh and Mecca. So Allah Azza wa wants to install values in the Muslims to say this is not what we are about. 
the society we are seeking, the Islamic, uh, the, the Islamic environment that we want to build is totally different. It's a society that will honor an orphan. It's a society that will not take advantage of someone who has an immediate need for wealth. And we are not turning away anyone who has a request simply because he has lost his job, he has lost his money, he has lost his wealth, he has uh, lost current uh, merchandise or trade or commerce or, or, or anything of that sort. Islam will not allow this situation to prevail. And that is the notion that Allah was directing Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَأَمَّا السَّائِلَ فَلَا تَنْهَرُ And the third ayah, the next one, which comes as a summary of the previous one, وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثْ Allah has bestowed upon you some favor. You have to make sure that this favor is clear. You have to declare it. You have to talk about it. You have to make it known. You don't hide, you don't hide any precious thing that Allah has given you. Although in the tafsir, most of the mufassireen, they say this is particular to Muhammad about prophethood. But in reality, you come to think about it, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the fact that he is selected as a prophet and as a messenger, the job description of a prophet is the one who talks about prophecy and prophethood. So he cannot be a prophet or a messenger when he's a messenger for himself. So it's not really the ayah, it does not sound that this ayah is particular to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for his prophethood alone. But it is general it's general for any ni'mah, for anything that is a favor that Allah bestows upon a person. If he bestows upon me knowledge, no, I cannot hide that knowledge. I cannot. I have to speak up the truth. I have to speak up the knowledge. I cannot keep it to myself. This is something that Allah has given me. If Allah has given me guidance, if he guided me to the correct path, so I know that I'm on the correct path, I cannot leave that to myself. I have to speak about it. And I have to bring other people to the same path. And this is where da'wah comes in. So da'wah is not an issue that it's, a, it's some favor I am doing to the society or it is something extra I am doing beyond my obligation. It is the natural thing. If I am guided, I know that I just got my belief in Allah I just, just got the belief in Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I just got the belief in the Quran. I just have come to know that Islam is perfect, that Islam is good, that Islam is correct, that Islam is good for the society, I have to speak about it. I have to bring it up. If Allah had bestowed upon me a favor of money, of wealth, I'm not going to hide that every, every time someone comes and make a request for, for a dollar or ten dollars or for a loan and I will be lying about it. No, I don't have anything. I'm poor. You can't do that. It has to be has to be clear. In fact, there is a hadith that says one man came to the Prophet وسلم, and he says, when I was in his presence, I had an older clothings. My clothings were, uh, were, uh, were rough and they were old and they are, they are not new. It's, it's obvious that they are, they are worn out. So the Prophet وسلم, tells him, مال, are you poor or do you have some money? And he tells the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ya Rasulullah, indi mal. No, I do have money. I'm not, I'm wealthy. I'm not poor. Then he says, Inna Allah yuhibbu an yara athara ni'matihi ala abdi. Allah likes to see 
the 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 result of his ni'ma, the result of his favor that he bestows upon his servant, he wants to see that. He wants to see that you are really eating good, that you are dressing well, and that you are living well. If you have if you have money, if you don't have wealth, that's a different story. So make sure that you declare or at least it's known that you are doing well. To hide to hide the status like the misers and the ones who are really holding tough, holding tight to their money, that's not a good characteristic, it's not an Islamic behavior. The Islamic behavior, you have to make it known. And of course, as I said, when the system of Islam is practiced, when there is when Islam is already in practice after Medina, when Islamic rules were coming in, the zakah, the zakah used to come and expose the reality of how much wealth you have. So if I am getting out of you one thousand dollars, that means uh, you have uh, what forty thousand. I know that you have forty thousand dollars in your uh, in your account. Uh, if you am getting zakah, so the zakah is a declaration. The zakah is a declaration of how much wealth uh, you have because it's two point five percent of your total wealth. So there is a system to actually find out and know exactly how much you have. So that's in terms of wealth. And of course, if you go out and hide that, and I don't think you will be able to hide that in the, in the next Islamic state, there will be all types of ways to, to trace and find the, 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 the real wealth of the people. But in general, this should not be a matter of tracing it as much as you have to speak about it. It is a society that declares out it is status. It's a society, it's a Muslim ummah, it's a category of people that is that is proud, that is proud about declaring whatever Allah Azza wa has bestowed after all it's from Allah Azza wa So it is not a society like in America or in the West where everybody tries to find, to hire the highest level of accountant in order to hide the wealth or to lie about it. In fact, they spend more money more money on hiding, hiding the wealth more than they would probably have paid for uh, for the poor or the orphans or those who are in need. They hire very high uh, uh, paid consultants who are uh, skillful at hiding or uh, 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 covering up their wealth. Now in Islam, it's the other way around. In Islam, it's part of my deen, it's part of my Islam, it's part of my belief in Allah Azza wa which say, look, Allah Azza wa has given me such and such. In fact, this goes not only not only to the wealth, but even for the good deeds. Sometimes we shy away from showing our good deeds because we want the, the, the privacy and the secrecy of good deeds. One of the Sahaba of the Prophet وسلم, used to come out on a daily basis or occasionally would tell the Sahaba, say, oh, Alhamdulillah, last night I prayed two extra rak'ah. Yesterday I was fasting. Uh, last night I read from the Quran the following surahs, talking about it. So some Sahaba told them, this is not customary of us to speak about the things that we do. Then he said, Subhanallah, didn't you read the ayah which says, isn't this a ni'mah upon me that Allah Azza wa gave me a ni'mah that I was able to pray extra? 
It's a ni'mah that I was able to fast. It's a ni'mah that I was able to read the Quran. I want to speak about it. So he was taking it to that extreme. To the extreme that even if I did something good, something private, something at night, I woke up at night, I prayed to Raqqa, and I felt good. The next morning I say, oh brothers, last night I had good two Raqqa. What this brother is bragging about? That Sahabi says, I have to speak, this is from Allah, it's not mine. It's not my ability. Without the help of Allah Azza wa Jal, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So therefore, I will speak about it. Now, of course, some other Sahaba would take that this is something that you want only Allah Azza wa Jal to know about it. You want to keep it until the, the day of judgment. That's fine. You don't take it to that extreme. But some, as I said, some Sahaba took this ayah to the extreme. That this, anything you think, you believe that it is a favor. It is something from Allah. And everything you have is from Allah Azza wa Jal. Whether it's your knowledge. You get a knowledge, you have to speak about it. I remember one day, one brother, I was uh, talking to him a while ago and saying, why don't you, after Salat al-Isha and some places in the masjid you are, why don't you give a couple of minutes uh, to tell, talk to the people? I know that you, you know something. He says, well, I don't have enough knowledge. I asked him the question, what enough? How much enough is enough? You need to, need to, to know the entire Quran, the entire Islam, how much enough is enough? Sometimes if you know one ayah, one ayah and you know its meaning, that is knowledge. If you know one hadith and you know its meaning, and it's not only, and you know, or you know it as a hadith, it doesn't have a meaning, and you can just mention it, and because there is a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, says, بَلِّغُوا عَنِّي وَلَوْ آيَةٍ And there is another, بَلِّغُوا عَنِّي وَلَوْ حَدِيثٍ You report upon me, whether it's an ayah or hadith, Maybe a person who listens is more aware, he better understands the hadith or the ayah more than you do. So just say it. So in other words, any favor, any knowledge, any wealth, any guidance, anything. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Inshallah we'll pray Salatul Tasbih with the Jama'at at 1.15 a.m. In next 15 minutes. So if you want to make wadu and get ready, please do that. Thank you. This is not us, right? Okay. So that... So this issue, وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثِ It brings me to the, to the issue of ulama, which is the, which the topic that's, it's a sincere topic. It's a, it's a very important topic where people know the knowledge now. And it's a big knowledge. And they have gone to schools and somebody provided for them. And they have the ability to learn and to read the Quran and to know the tafsir and to know the seerah and to know the fiqh and to know the usul and to know all of these. And then when it comes to a fatwa, when it comes when the people are asking about some specific issues about Islam, they hide the knowledge. They don't say the truth. Just like the people of Ahlul Kitab, where Allah Azza wa Jal, he, uh, he condemned them about hiding the knowledge. Where it says, وَإِذْ أَخَذَ اللَّهُ مِثَاقَهُمْ 
لتبينونه للناس ولا تكتمونه when Allah Azza wa Jal took a mithaq from the, the people of knowledge he says the people of the book but those who meaning the, those who have the knowledge you have a covenant from Allah Azza wa Jal that you have to state it out you have to speak it out you have to make it clear it's not only to mention it but you have to clarify issues and you do not hide it so part of the ni'mah that Allah bestows upon the scholars, upon those who know, there is the ability to explain, the ability to, the ability to clarify the issues. It's not only to state it, but then when you say, when you see that the majority of the so-called scholars, those who are paid scholars, they shy away. They shy away from any ayah, from any hadith, that brings a conflict between the people and the rulers. They shy away from that. Leave alone, they don't explain it, but they hide it. They don't talk about it. And quite often, I have always, many times, or so many times, I was faced with the questions, why is it that scholars don't address the issue of rulership? They don't address the issue of the legality, the legality or illegality of a ruler king, presidents, why don't they do that? Although they have the knowledge. And it's not a brain, it's not a big brainer to look in the Quran and to find the ayat like وَمَنْ لَمْ يَحْكُمْ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ فَأُولَئِكَ Anyone who does not rule with, the, with what Allah Azza wa Jal has revealed, they are kuffar, or zalimin, or fasiqeen, kafir, oppressive, or fasiq. It, you don't have to go too far because it's very clear, ayah after ayah. In many places where Allah says, rule them with whatever Allah has revealed. So that's not a big, that's not too much to know. For those who went to schools of Sharia, they should know that. Those who read the Quran, they should know that. And they do. This is a ni'mah from Allah They cannot hide it. In fact, it's an order from Allah Even, even if the one that is going to listen does not like it. And that's why when the Sahaba used to be in the vicinity of the Kaaba and a new surah is revealed. Now a new surah is revealed from the Prophet the Prophet gets the ayah, the surah, the surah first goes to the Sahaba. He tells them because these are the people who believe in Islam, he immediately conveys that to the Sahaba if they are in his in the house of Arqam, wherever he, he was staying, or from a different places, they will take the surah and give it to the Sahaba. Everybody knows that. Now, the Sahaba, now they have the knowledge. There is a new surah. If it's a new surah, somebody has to convey it. You have to let the people know. But then the people that you are talking about, they don't want to listen. They hate it. Not only that, it's not only they hate to listen, but they will torture or they will abuse anyone who will speak with this ayah or with this surah. So they would, between them, they will start saying, Man Who has the guts to speak up and say those ayat that those kuffar hate or dislike? And we know the story that Ibn Mas'ud would take the challenge. He would say, I will do that. Then the Sahaba would tell Ibn Mas'ud, Ya Abdullah, you are the weakest among us, the weakest physically. 
Ibn Mas'ud, his physical character, his, his being as a human, they say he's very weak, very thin. His legs were so tiny little that he cannot handle the beating, if you will. So they would tell him, you are too weak among us. You don't have support, you don't have families, people who can protect you. It is not fair that you will come out and speak. He would say, no, I will say. I would say it again. And then he stands up, he goes to the vicinity of the Kaaba, he reads the Quran because that is knowledge. He has to speak out. This is something that Allah tells in the Quran and they take it seriously. It's not light. So it is not when we read this surah Al-Duha and when we say These are not ayat that we take, we enjoy, we read and they, they rhyme very well. They're very nice. If you read them, you hear them from Abdul Basit. You get absolutely high when you hear them. They're very nice. That's not it's not like that. The Sahaba, they took them seriously. They acted upon them. So Ibn Mas'ud would stand up and will make tahdith. He will say about it. It's a ni'mah from Allah Azza wa Jal. He bring it up. Uh, Uthman bin Affan, the ni'mah that Allah Azza wa Jal gave to him, that his caravans were absolutely huge. His merchants, his uh, commerce was very successful. Whenever the Medina was in, in dire need, he would come to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and says, I have this much food, this much merchandise, this much goods. I have a lot. Take it all. He doesn't hide anything. He doesn't say, oh, I have something that I want to save for my next trade. He says, this is how much I have. It's all wide open for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and for the Muslims to take. That is Islam. When Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu would hear the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying that there is a need for something, for an army, to launch an army, to make a, uh, uh, to, to prepare for the next battle or so, Abu Bakr would go home and bring everything and put it on the table and say, Ya Rasulullah, that's all I have. Take whatever you want, all of it. Umar bin Khattab, he would come and say, this is half of what I have. He's declaring it. He's not hiding the other half. He's not saying, this is all I have. He says, this is half of what I have. And I bring it to Allah and his messenger. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he tells Umar, Ya Umar, if you really want to be on the highest level, just like Abu Bakr, you have to bring it all. And there is more into the hadith. And when the, the Umar radiallahu an is bringing this and saying, this is what I can give to Allah Azza wa Jal and the messenger, the messenger tell him you have to bring it all. Then he brings everything he has. That's the type of society, the type of Muslims, the type of Islam, when everybody brings everything, what, everything that they have to put and share. In fact, there is also another thing that I remember the Prophet Sallallahu there is a group of people in Medina that the Prophet Sallallahu would say, those people I envy. And those people, as long as they are within the society, people will not feel deprived. And then they asked him, what is good about them? What's good about this category of people? He says, every time they go through hardship, someone goes through their hardship, what they do, they bring all their foods. It's like a small 
group of people, their family, their related, their relatives, everything they have, bring it up to one place. They mix it together so that nobody says this is mine and then they leave it open for everybody who needs it. And the Prophet ﷺ was always praising them high. Those are values that Islam installs or instills in the hearts and the minds of Muslims right from the very beginning. And that is, I want to conclude with this. Remember this surah, Surah Al-Duha is uh, surah number 11 in the order of revelation. So the Quran is still uh, fresh, Islam is still fresh. There is not much of Islam built. Muslims are still weak. Uh, they are not, they have not fought the battle of Badr yet. They have not made the migration. They have not made a society. They have not made zakah. They did not build a system. They don't have a state. They have nothing and they are still oppressed. But nevertheless, the values are being built one after another. Ayah after ayah, value after value, principle after principle, so that when Islam takes over, when the society is built, you have already built the infrastructure, if you will. Those emotional type of build-up for Islam are already there. The ability or the willing to give, the willing to provide guidance, the willing to carry the da'wah, the willing to provide the knowledge, the willing to support the orphan, the willing to support the needy, the willing to, to build this harmony in the society, all of this is already built in the souls of the Muslims before that society is completely constructed and, and built. So Surah Al-Duha concludes with this very beautiful ayah, and that's what we are doing tonight, and that's what we are doing every Saturday we are here, and every halaqa we give, every lecture, every khutbah, it is about that ni'mah of Allah Azza wa Jal that he has given to us that he has given to each and every one of us here who are sitting, that once we have this nama, we have to talk about it and to make sure that we always speak up, never hide it, no matter what the consequences are. And always remember that when Ibn Mas'ud spoke the Quran in front of the kuffar of Mecca and he was beaten on his right eye, he was saying, Wallahi, my left eye wants to be treated in the same like my other eye. It's not that next time, Wallahi, I'm not going to stand up and say, he will say, next time I have an ayah or a surah, I will say it in the same manner and let me, be let me take it one more time and I'm willing to sacrifice in the cause of Allah Azza wa Jal. Jazakallah khair. We'll stop right here, inshallah, and uh, uh, we'll open the floor for discussions and uh, comments, questions, answers, anything you have. Jazakallah khair. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.